1: I just play doctor online and uh, let's see this week um, I thought I would revisit something that happened on this show uh, way back when Uh, now it's what uh, how many years have been doing the show It's coming up on eight years I think it will be in March let's see I went on in March 2010 I've been doing this since you know since then every week just about there's been a you know, I miss here and there but uh, just about every week and uh, so there's three hundred forty one shows this is three hundred forty one right here and and I I got to thinking about this one last week in in one of the cool things uh, for the for the week I mentioned that I was going to be uh, a guest on atheist talk radio which is uh, locally produced. Uh, well, I, I don't know how nationwide it is But it's on. It's streamable, so that's all over the world And you can download it as a podcast And I will link to it so you can um, check out what I had to say uh, I was interviewed by my friend uh, Maddie Love She hosts, not every week, but uh, most weeks, I guess uh, They have a rotation of on-air people uh, For the, uh, the Minnesota Atheist, or just Atheist Talk Radio I don't think they throw the Minnesota in there uh, But it's... Um, it's, it was really cool. Uh, I, I mentioned it last week that it was something that she and I talked about doing uh, in February. But she said uh, it's, it would be nice to count on me in case somebody drops out. You know, someone she has scheduled, if they drop out, would I be available? And I said, yeah, usually I'm not doing anything on Sunday mornings. Yes, I know, getting ready to go to church, but come on. <laughs> no, of course I'm not going to church. You know me. I'm an atheist. Um, So, uh, it just so happened she had a guest that had to cancel or whatever reason. Um, and we just, well, uh, can you come in? I said, yeah, I can, I can be there. So we did. And it was great. It was good fun. Uh, Maddie does a nice show. Uh, she's, she, she did some research. She actually listened to this. (laughs) She actually listened to Dimland Radio. I mean, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's pretty good. Uh, she should get points for that, right? And I am the giver of points. So 10 points, Maddie, um, and so, and but she she knows that I'm a huge fan of the Who, so she wove that into into the into the stuff. Uh, uh, in 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 every time she would go to break and come out of break, she would make some kind of Who reference. She she did that, and she did give me a chance to talk about the Who. She she asked me why, and and I said that I you know she asked me why I I love the Who so much, and I said I really didn't know. It's just uh, how do you how do you um, uh, give an explanation for that? And I missed the opportunity to make. Uh, a joke saying, "I don't know. I can't explain." <laughs> See, there's a the first Who song that Pete Townsend wrote was called "I Can't Explain," and it was a, it was a bit of a hit for them over there in the UK. It's a great song too. And uh, but I missed that opportunity. So we, we had a nice talk and it was great. And and uh, she mentioned something about was there ever any kind of a mistake or a show I did that I wish I had taken back or something something to that uh, to that effect. And it was toward the end of the interview, I believe. And. Um, I thought of the uh, the show where I had somebody I had a guest on which I don't I don't do guests I mean I used to do them very seldomly and I just I don't I I don't know I just don't it's 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 a lot of time it's, it is time consuming you know lining up schedules figuring out when you can be able to talk to somebody it's it it is that and then research to do you know make sure that you don't sound like a, like a uh, like an idiot talking to uh, somebody that you're interviewing it it does take an investment of in time and, and, and I well maybe I could do it but uh, you know i don't know it's uh, and it takes away from me time you know i make that joke all the time it's less me <laughs> you want more me, don't you? <laughs> uh, perhaps not. Anyway, I had a fellow on here who um, who had hosted a show here on, on Z Talk And they I don't think they're on anymore, but they might come back on. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I haven't talked to the guy in a while. Uh, but he I had him on the show, and he didn't believe that the Egyptians built the pyramids. He didn't think they had the ability, and it was just taking too many people. And, and he thinks that, I don't know, aliens helped him or some... Vastly superior uh, earlier civilization that has that time has forgotten somehow did the work. I don't know, but you know, the Egyptians built the pyramids, that's that's who did it anyway. I had him on the show, and he did what's called the gish gallop, which is just throw all kinds of statements and questions and statements and questions and statements and questions and, and to somebody. And even if that person that you're throwing all those statements and questions at is well versed in the topic at hand and has an answer for every one of those questions and has a reason why any of those statements are wrong, it's it's easier to ask the question than it is to give the answer. It takes more time to give the answer. And so when the Gish Gallup is going, uh, it's named for a fellow named Dwayne Gish, who was part of, I think, the, what was called the Discovery Institute or something like that, and they they were pushing a young Earth creationist worldview and that, that uh, Noah's Flood... Was responsible for the the um, uh, the Grand Canyon and and that uh, you know that there really was an ark and all this kind of crap. It's the same thinking that led to the Ark Park or whatever they call it, the Ark Encounter down there in whatever state Kentucky is it that Ken Ham built. uh, That's I don't I don't from what I've last read, it's not doing very well. I mean it's I mean there's a, a certain novelty. One thing about science museums is they update. Things change. It's not the same stuff all the time. Well, sure, they have some of the familiar stuff that's there regularly, but they bring in new stuff, they put stuff away for a while, and bring out something else from the back. They bring in certain you know, um, um, exhibits that will run for two or three months. You know, it's, it's always something new. But at the Ark Encounter and creationist museums and things like that, the Bible stuff, there's nothing new happening. So, repeat business. I mean, I suppose if they tacked on an amusement park, I mean, the amusement park might get repeat business because people do enjoy going on roller coasters. But even in, in an amusement park, new stuff is introduced, maybe not every year, but is, there's new stuff introduced in order to keep the park fresh, right? So, um,. Anyway, I mentioned the, I talked about the gish gallop in that in that show with that guest, and even even if I was super prepared, I I think I probably was still got gish Gallop by the guy, uh, and it's, that was that was something. But uh, I I did think about it, and I did talk to Maddie about this before uh, we did the show. We just were talking about uh, leading up to you know what we might discuss on it, and uh, I did I did mention to her. And this is something that uh, well this happened on this show. I even did the research for it to figure out when it happened. It happened back in December of 2011. So I had been doing Dimland Radio for what uh, a little over a year and a half and uh, I was still doing the show live. I can't remember when I stopped doing it live, but you know, I did it for I don't know, for a few years live. And it was the I found that it was the same show, and I did mention this in the interview on atheist Radio uh, Atheist talk radio. I did mention this the show where um, going live if you 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 can't you know you can't edit <laughs> you can't mix fix a mistake or something. Uh, I went just as I turned up the microphone, I shifted some stuff around on my table, and I knocked. My beer down, and it fell and hit the floor. Now, longtime listeners of the show might remember that one. Uh, uh, I know Trisha uh, might remember it because she's the longest of my longtime listeners. And anyway, so I, you know, because I usually have a beer sitting here when I do the show, and um, it just, just as I put up the microphone, you could hear the bottle drop and clang on the floor. I should probably put that show up on the uh, um, the the bonus podcast for those of you who've just discovered me through iTunes or Podbean or something. Uh, there are a bunch more shows in the past. You can go to ztalkradio.com and go to the show archives page and go check out the Dimland Radio folder. And most every show that I've done is there. And you can just listen to it from there. You can And you can find the show, I, I believe it was uh, December 17, 2011. I think that was the date of the show and it's called the Beer Spill <laughs> Program or Beer Spill Show, something like that, uh, because that was where I spilled the beer. Now, that's not the mistake. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an accident. It's not the, the thing that I got wrong uh, that got past me. Uh, it was, um, but it happened on that same show. I, so, well, okay, I dropped the beer, and I had planned to play a song, on the program, anyway, a song by George Robb called "I Don't Believe in Christmas," and it's his Christmas song. It says, "I don't believe in Christmas, but I love it anyway." You know, he, you know, so, and I might play that as we get closer to Christmas. I might play it again. I have his permission. It's not licensed by, you know, by the people that license music. Uh, so, um, anyway, I had planned on playing that on the show, in as it was, so it would cover. So, so i got to go clean up the beer spill, I'll play the song now, so then I can drop the mic, or turn down the mic, and then I clean up the beer spill, and I come back after the, the song's done. Okay, well, all right. Talked a little bit about whatever I talked about, and then I started talking about something that I thought was rather cool. This thing's really cool that came out in the news. Now, I learned a good lesson on this one. And hopefully, I remember that lesson each week <laughs> and, and heed it. But, uh, well, okay. What happened was, I spotted this story on Facebook. Somebody had shared it, and I just clicked the link and I read it. And, and it was on the BBC.com website. So it's BBC. And you know, they're trustworthy, are they not? And they're a good source for news. Uh, and so I, I checked on that. And uh, the story was about. Uh, the tv signals and radio signals that 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 are sent off from planet earth uh, you you might know this that you know since radio and tv signals have started to be broadcast through the atmosphere atmosphere <clears throat> some of them or it's, it it also bleeds off into space and it heads out there going i think it's at the speed of light or nearabouts so it just heads off and just just keeps floating and uh, and it's we've been putting off signals like that since uh, what I, well for like eighty years a hundred years, something somewhere in that range now and so that means if it's if it's let's say it's eighty years, well you however far light can travel in eighty years, you go that far, and that would be the you know the furthest extent of these signals that we've sent off uh, unless it's a hundred years, but then you know you make the adjustments accordingly uh, anyway. So the signals might be picked up by intelligent life out there. Well, it turns out in this story, some of those signals apparently got bounced back. They bounced. They came back to Earth because uh, the uh, the scientists at the Arecibo telescope down there in Puerto Rico. Which I wonder how that's doing. I haven't seen anything about how that's doing with the uh, uh, with the uh, the hurricane that went through there and is pretty much just turn that island back to you know the Middle Ages or it's just awful what they're going through and I'm sure the, uh, the telescope is not at the highest priority. but uh, anyway, so officials at Arecibo had announced that these signals were picked up and they realized that they were signals from Earth that somehow they got bounced back. I don't know how, but somehow they did. And they were going through the signal and they were finding old TV shows. And one of the old TV shows they were finding were was Doctor Who. Now Doctor Who fans will know that the early, early episodes of Doctor Who had just have been lost because uh, you know people weren't thinking about archiving stuff for posterity. They were just producing programs for now, and they would tape over the tapes and you know, do that kind of stuff. So they just didn't. They weren't thinking about showing this stuff again and uh, or keeping it for in museums or whatnot. Well, the signal comes back according to the story. They find these old Doctor Who episodes in there which would have every Doctor Who fan excited as all hell because these are going to be episodes that haven't been seen since probably since they aired and and so that it, this, this is exciting and I'm reading this story and I'm talking about the story as I'm reading it. And I mentioned that uh, it, the story says that sometime by the end of the year we should be seeing some of these first episodes coming out. And I thought, and I, I paused. End of the year. Well, when does this article come? Because it was the end of the year. It was December in 2011. So I looked through and I went, oh, I chuckled to myself and I said, well, the article's from April of 2009. But I didn't, I, you, you might be cluing into what's going on here. April, huh? April, thinking about it, right? Doesn't occur to me while I'm doing the show live. I just, April 2009, oh, you know what? I'm going to have to follow up on this and figure, you know, find out some more stuff. So I continued on with the show. But here's the thing. When I did look it up, uh, and I wasn't finding any Offers of getting these episodes on DVD. I wasn't or downloading them. I did, I wasn't finding any of that kind of stuff. I found the I think the original article had it or somebody else had it in an article. And there was in the comments a person said, "Look at the date of the story. Look at the date." And I looked at the date. Yes, I did say April two thousand nine, but I didn't say April one two thousand nine. It was a, it was an April Fool's joke. That the BBC had put on their website, it was an April Fool's joke, and I got caught. And it was a two or three-year-old April Fool's joke at that, and I got caught by it. And that taught me I need to pay closer attention. I need to look at the dates. I need to vet these stories. I need to look and see what anybody else is reporting. Is this just the, you know when somebody dies? You know, I look for. I don't just jump on the announcement on Facebook, especially if it's, it seems like it's a source that might not be as uh, reliable as, let's say, you know, CNN or Yahoo News or a, you know, the AP, the Associated Press, or something. You know, if it's, if it's if it's I don't know if it's TMZ, they're kind of reliable when it comes to announcing celebrity deaths, but. You still, after the Tom Petty thing, when he was announced to have been dead a few hours before he actually did die, uh, everybody's got "whoa, step back," and then, so we had, you know, step back. Uh, let's not go crazy. And then, so when I would see these things, I would look them up on other what are other news sources reporting on this? And if I saw a few more, then I'd start to think, okay, this this seems legit. So that's something I've learned since that. That time when I did that. Now here's the, but here's the thing about that's a bit of ironic about when I was talking while doing this story while reading through the story, but I would stop and I talk about stuff. A big picture science episode had come out recent to that show that I was doing in 2011, and I and it was fresh on my mind because I said I said in my talk. That according to Big Picture Science, which by the way, if you hang, if you if you're an insomniac and you like to listen to stuff and and you want to keep listening to Z Talk Radio after I'm done, and you're on it's on a Saturday night after I go off the air, just wait a couple minutes. Big Picture Science will be on, and there will be two episodes, back to back episodes of of uh, Big Picture Science each week. Which reminds me, I got to get the latest episode in place for this week. But I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I get it done. Uh. But I on, the, on, a, on a Big Picture Science episode, they talked about the signals that we're sending off into space. And I said, bef- just after I said that we were getting signals back from us, the bounce back to us, signals that we put out, were are being bounced back and we're picking them up and we're pulling TV shows out of them. Moments after I said that, I said that according to big picture science or scientists that they were interviewing on the show, the signals we're sending out are too weak for us to pick up with the equipment that we have. We'd need better stuff and better technology. And for some reason, those two statements didn't it didn't click in my head. Because I guess I'm going live. I'm just talking, you know. And it's just why didn't that occur to me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just said that we we were picking up signals that came from us and we were getting tv shows out of it but then i say that the scientists are saying the signals are too weak for us to pick up wait a minute so you gotta be careful you gotta watch it and so that's something i learned that was a big mistake i made on the show and the very next week i sat down and talked about it and said this is what went wrong and I goofed this up, and I'm going to try to be much more careful in vetting my stories. So let's hope I can keep doing that. I just thought yeah, I didn't have time to tell that story on uh, uh, in the interview with with uh, uh, with Maddie, but uh, I had time to tell it at the beginning at the beginning of my show. Which, by the way, I've come to my first break. Right, right. Let me check the schedule. Yep comes the first break so you're listening to dimland radio on the z talk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dimfit simmons i shall return just sit tight and listen to this stuff <laughs> You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already.
0: You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings Mom's hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a
1: stroke.
0: But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run without scissors, it's the least you can do.
1: If this station's not your cup of tea, huh? then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news, 100% information, 100% guaranteed. Thought you might say
0: <laughs> that. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network.
1: Back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I've been told not to point out mistakes, but there was one in that break there. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. <laughs> Great. So now you're going to go back and listen for it. Uh, I just skipped it. It was a it was a goof. So just just ignore it. Okay. Now, um, So so when I give off information that's wrong, I like to correct it and make sure that I. Don't give up the wrong information right you know, from the first part. I don't want to get caught in, in April Fool's jokes and things like that. And I don't want to be disseminating fake news, right? So, and I'm going to, okay, it's just good, I'm going to keep this as brief as possible. Because I, I, I just will. It came up again. Now, I, I talked about it at length after the eclipse and all the headlines on the internet and all the the memes that went around making jokes of it saying that president trump stared at the eclipse stared at the sun now you know that he didn't he didn't stare he glanced he did not you know and i glanced and you glanced and unless you are one of those very disciplined people who didn't glance yeah and if you are fantastic you know, give yourself an extra five points because it's, it's okay, I, I went over it before. I don't want to belabor the point. The only reason I'm bringing it up again is because just this week, Monday night on the the, on the late night with Seth Meyers, who, by the way, I like Seth Meyers, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not crazy about Jimmy Fallon this shows a little too silly um, and I don't know it's just there's just something you know Dave Letterman would do silly stuff but Dave Letterman was cool yeah and and Fallon is he's likable it's just I don't know it's just something it's not working for me Jimmy Kimmel I I, I think he's funny and he's been a dimland radio science hero a couple of times uh, he's it's just I don't know he surrounds himself with people that I don't think are funny and I I don't it just it just doesn't work, you know. Larry Bud Melman worked with Letterman, he worked. Yeah, it just it's just he just did it just worked for what was going on. I you know Cousin Sal on on Jimmy Kimmel just I, I never thought Cousin Sal was that funny, and I, I you know whatever it's just yeah there's just something. Uh, Stephen Colbert never did much for me. Not saying he's not funny or anything, just never did. Uh, the guy that took over for Craig Ferguson. The, the, the Irish teddy bear guy not Irish English teddy bear guy I don't know it could be Irish I don't know what he is he's from the UK uh who has everybody out come everybody come out at once and we'll all just sit and talk and it's just I you know I don't know it doesn't work and then the car karaoke stuff and all that yeah you know, it's just like I don't get it and not my thing but Seth Meyers I think he's funny and you know what he doesn't dance now I don't know if the Jim what's his, what's his name Jim Cordry or something Jim not Jim Corbin Cor, is that his name I can't think of his name uh, who does who took over for Craig Ferguson and Craig Ferguson he started dancing. And I that bothered me because you know Ellen got it all started. Ellen does the dancing on the show and you know Carson might do a little soft shoe once in a while when a joke really bombed and he would just do a little soft show shoe which would be part of the joke, but no, he wasn't dancing every show and it just it just bothers me. Letterman didn't dance. and I don't know if Kimmel does it if he does it, but I know Fallon does, and I know Colbert does and it just ugh. Seth Meyer doesn't dance. You know what he does? He sits at his desk. The show opens, and he's already sitting at his desk. That's awesome. And he says, "Let's look at the news." And he does some bits on the news, cause that was, you know, that's his wheelhouse, man. That's what he did so brilliantly on Saturday Night Live. Him and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, you know, the three of them were just fantastic at it. They really breathed new life into the set, the update desk, which had its moments and had its down moments, you know, and I'm not sure where it's at right now. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in a long time, but, but, so Seth Meyers will do a sit-down thing to start his show. He stays at his desk. He doesn't get up and dance. That's great. Now, he does have to yell over the audience. This this, that's what's changed in talk, TV talk shows that Carson didn't have to yell over the audience. You know, when he would say who was on the show, he would say, you know, we've got Burt Reynolds tonight and the crowd would all cheer ah, ah, and then they'd quiet down. And then we've got Raquel Welsh. Oh, ah, ah, and then they quiet down. And then, then Don Riggles will be out here. Mr. Warren himself, ah, they all cheer and then, then he'd quiet down and he'd say, Okay, we got a great show, we'll be right back and then he'd do the little, you know, golf move and they do the din and butin and and then off they go, right? And the che- then the crowd would cheer. But what they do now is as soon as the host starts announcing who's gonna be on the show, the crowd starts cheering. And they continue to cheer over the top of the host. So he has to yell to tell you who's on the show. And the yelling voice, it's hard to tell whether it's A, whether it's And, and, that's, and Seth Myers has to do that too. It's just, I don't understand why that is. And, it's, and you know what they should do? If I, were, if I were producing one of these programs, if they, okay, you insist on having that, I'm going to put, I'm gonna put uh, uh, subtitles when the audience gets too loud for you to hear the host. Now, maybe it's just me getting old and my ears aren't working as well. Eh, I could be part of it, but I don't know. It's just, huh. anyway, so he'll do the desk thing. He'll do what's in the news, and then he'll do a bit. I don't think he does it every night, but he does this bit called "A Closer Look," and they did that Monday night. "A Closer Look," which is a you know, this was like a seven and a half minute bit that you know, examines Donald Trump, and uh, and and they're and they're using a lot of really good political satire, and and some good comedy comes out of it. because Trump is a is a is a godsend if there were a god, to comedians. I mean I'm telling you, he's just, you know, he's the he's the gift that keeps on giving. He's scary and we're all worried, of course, but he's it's just it's a it's an outstanding gold mine for goldmine for topical comedians to, to work with. And so he's doing this. And during his seven and a half minute thing, he he made the Trump staring at the Sun joke twice and i know it's it i know it's kind of a little thing and it's a joke and it's 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 funny visual and all that but these are the same guys uh, seth myers has done it john oliver and i was almost going to lump him in too because john oliver had a 23 minute bit about the trump presidency he does he does make the joke about trump looking at the sun he does that uh, he, he, but he didn 't say stare, so I kind of have to you know just not take as many points away from him, but the thing is part of john oliver 's bit and 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 I know Seth Myers has done this as well is they is, is the troublesome nature of the way Trump and others like him now in politics will dismiss the news media that they don 't like. The news that they don't like, they'll just dismiss it as fake news. And it, you know, if you're going to decry dismissing legitimate news as fake news, as, as what Trump does, if you're going to decry that, if you're going to have a problem with that, if you're going to you know work up the American public so that this guy's a bad president, we really shouldn't be cheering for him. Uh, <laughs> and if you're going to do that then don't resort to fake news yourself don't resort to the easy joke cuz there's a picture of him looking up at it it's an easy joke don't resort to it it's fake news you're peddling fake news you know, cuz the rest of his bit was as tr- was truthful and and accurate as far as i could tell and so i thought you know this that's a shame on you cuz seth myers used the joke twice he used the same joke Okay, all right. Enough of that. Speaking of Dimland Radio Science Heroes, I have a Dimland Radio Science Zero. I don't do many of the Science Zeros, but usually it's somebody that is just so bad, or it's just very, very ridiculous. I spotted this story on the Facebook. This comes from from the Associated Press. Somebody named Pat Graham wrote this piece. It's dated November 20, 2017. Self-taught rocket scientist, we should put that into uh, quotes, uh, plans to launch over Ghost Town. Uh, The countdown to launch creeps closer, and there's still plenty for self-taught rocket scientist Mad Mike Hughes to do. Last-second modifications to his vessel, pick up his flight suit, leave enough food for his four cats just in case anything happens. Hughes is, 61, is a 61-year-old limo driver who spent the last few years building a steam-powered rocket out of salvage parts in his garage. His project has cost him $20,000, which includes Rustoleum paint to fancy it up and a motorhome he bought on Craigslist that he converted into a ramp. His first test of the rocket will be also the launch date uh Saturday when he straps into his homemade contraption Saturday this is from the 20th that was Monday wow as i record this on the uh, on the 24th Friday the 24th he could be going up tomorrow or as you listen to this this podcast as it comes out or if you listen on Saturday night he may have already done this so we may know the results of this of this uh, uh, rocket flight. Let's see. Uh, Saturday, when he straps into his homemade contraption, uh, if you're not scared to death, you're an idiot, said Mike. It's as scary as hell, but none of us are getting out of this world alive. I like to do extraordinary things that no one else can do, and no one in the history of mankind has designed, built, and launched himself in his own rocket. I'm a walking reality show." The daredevil, limo driver, has been called a little bit of everything over his career. Eccentric, quirky, foolhardy. Doesn't bother him. Uh, Down the road he's intending to build a rocket that takes him to space so he can snap a picture and see with his own eyes. See the Earth with his own eyes. This will actually be the second time he's constructed and launched a rocket He jumped on a private property in Winkle, Arizona on January 30, 2014, and traveled 1,374 feet. He collapsed after landing, the G-forces taking a toll, and needed three days to recover. That distance, though, would have been enough to clear the Snake River Canyon, which is a jump Daredevil evil Knievel made famous when he failed to clear it during his attempt in 1974, which I remember that. I remember watching that. Uh, it was big news throughout the country. Uh, Harvey, uh, Howard Cosell was there doing the the. the, the Color commentating on it, and we were just watching and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it took so long for it to happen. And this, and what, I, what happened, as far as I recall of the of the jump was, he gets into his modified motorcycle jumping car thing, and he he. You know, it's like a little rocket, and he gets inside there, and he sets it to launch. And just as it's launching, it before I think it even got off the uh, off the uh, ramp or whatever they call that thing that it launches from, the parachutes were coming out, and they, they caused drag, and they just brought the brought the whole thing down. So he didn't get across the snake snake uh, uh, snake River Canyon. So. Uh, it was a failure, and there was some suggestion that he panicked and shot off the uh, the, the parachutes too quick. Uh, but you know it could have been equipment malfunction, so who knows? But apparently, a stunt man named Eddie Braun did successfully zoom over the canyon using Evil Knievel's uh, original blueprints in the sep- in September of 2016. So I'd have to see if I can find out some information there. So what he's planning on jumping, he's, he's gonna jump, uh, it's a ghost town in the Mojave Desert in California. Uh, the location will be Amboy. Uh, it's, uh, it's along the historic Route 66. Supposedly, the uh, fictional town of Radar Springs in the Disney movie Cars was loosely based on Amboy. Hughes uh, has got permission from the town's owner, Albert uh, Okura, Who purchased the rights uh, to Amboy in 2005 for $435,000? The launch will take place on an airstrip next to the uh, next to a dilapidated hangar. Alright, so that's that's what he's going to do. It'll be live on his YouTube channel. Uh, He does plan on uh, like launching a rocket that will he'll call he calls it a rock tune which is uh, it's a rocket that will launch from a balloon. A high-altitude balloon will bring it up into, up into the atmosphere, and it will launch from there into space. So he's gonna, he's uh, estimating he'll go up about 68 miles. Uh, a guy who builds his own rocket in his garage about to jump a mile is pretty cool, Hughes said. It's the most interesting human interest story in the world. Now, why is this guy a Dimland Radio Science 0? Certainly, I know there are those who like the Darwin Award things and I'm not I'm not down with the Darwin Award stuff. But I just mm. He's a daredevil guy. He's, you know, maybe not quite the evil Knievel type daredevil guy, but that's what he's doing. He's trying to do a stunt, get some attention. But why why the Dimland Radio Science 0 status? I need to read this uh, little paragraph that I skipped over. He says, and I quote, I don't believe in science, said Hughes, whose main rocket uh, sponsor for the rocket is Research Flat Earth. <laughs> I know about aerodynamics and fu- fluid dynamics and how things move through the air, about the certain size of rocket nozzles and thrust. That, but that's not science. That's just a formula. There's no difference between science and science fiction. Okay, it's just a formula. How do you think the formula was found? How did did they come up with the formula, whoever came up with the formula? Was it done by wishful thinking? Was it done through meditation? Through, you know, prayer? How did the... No, I think it was done through the methods of science. So, yeah. And he's a flat earther. (laughs) <laughs> ah well, mad Mike Hughes, you are uh you are official now. You are a dimland radio science zero. Sorry, yeah, you're still an interesting guy. I I hope you don't die in your and you stunt. Um I'll see if he does it, and I'll follow up on it next week, I, I guess. Well, uh, I need to go to uh, my next break. You're listening to Jimland Land Radio on the Talk Radio ne- Network. And uh, uh, I'm Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return shortly.
0: Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided that vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for
1: your family. Thank you.
0: A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org.
1: Hey, I almost forgot. It's it's time for It's quiz time on Dinland Radio. Everybody got your pens ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice answer. Uh, can you name the person who said this? That's why I don't eat friggin lobster or anything like that, because they're alive when you kill it. Was that A Mahatma Gandhi? B, Jane Goodall? C, Albert Einstein, or D Snooky. This has been Quiz time on Dimland Radio.
0: Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Delfal News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio.
1: Back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I've been meaning to get to this thing for a while now. I keep uh, pushing it away from the show. It's uh, have you are you like me and do you stay up late at night and and watch uh, the, like MeTV or Antenna TV and you get to see all these uh, ads that some of them are for fairly dubious products. That just seem. Hmm. I don't know about that one. Uh. And and I know some of you are saying, "Why do? You, why would you bother watching commercials?" I know. But as I've said, most of my pedantic moments come from watching commercials. Oh, and sorry. And by the way, I don't think I have a pedantic moment for you this week. I'm sorry. I just you know, I just don't. I mean, I. I anyway. I do have. A commercial that I've been spot that I've been seeing, and and it starts off with uh, a bunch of people complaining about nerve pain, uh, especially people that suffer from diabetes, and they they get this this nerve pain in their feet usually, and it's it can be pretty nasty. It's the needles, the feel of pins and needles, and that you know it's like if your foot falls asleep, and when it starts coming back, you get all that needle pin feeling going on in there. well, I guess that's I guess that's kind of what the nerve pain is like for him. It's very uncomfortable. It hurts, and all this kind of stuff. So there's this great product called Nerve Pain Away. All right, it's a, and it's a little spray. You spray it on the area, and apparently it numbs the nerve pain. Well, the thing is, it has well, it has the all natural. It has that part in the ad. It's all natural, <laughs> you know. So is bird shit, <laughs> but uh, you know, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It's just because it's natural. These buzzwords—you gotta look out for the buzzwords in advertising. And I believe it does have the uh, the the warning that this product has. You know, the claims of this product has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product's not me- meant for you know, or meant to treat, diagnose, cure, treat whatever any disease. That's if you see that in the small print in the ad, look for it. Get your eagle eyes open and look for that. When you see that, he's like, ah, ah, that's uh, that's that's shorthand or well, longhand for bullshit, <laughs> probably. But right in the ad, after they get through with all these people complaining about the, the nerve pain, and then they get to the selling of the ad thing for these little bottles that are what ounce or maybe two ounces worth of this stuff. The the. The ad says that the stuff is homeopathic. I mean, I mean, they're just telling you right there. If this stuff is prepared properly in the homeopathic way, properly prepared, what they're telling you is they are selling you a bottle of water for twenty bucks. It's nineteen ninety nine, and you can double the offer and get another bottle. But but for the one bottle, if you got just one bottle of this stuff for nineteen ninety nine, and it is Two ounces in there. Can you imagine what you know? You just think about your twenty-ounce Coke, your twenty or your twenty-ounce bottle of water that you that people get. They like to get the bottled water, which drink the tap water. It's just as good, and it has the fluoride in it. So you want fluoridation. You want that. Anyway, uh, it, it, can you imagine getting the twenty-ounce bottle and and paying twenty bucks for? Well, if it's two ounces, twenty bucks for two ounces—that's a two hundred dollar bottle of water. That's that's what that's. I mean, yeah, it, it, that's the equivalent. If it's a two ounce thing, if it's an ounce thing, it's, then it's four hundred dollars, right? There's, if I got the math right, I don't know. Well, the. It, if it, like I said, if it is prepared properly homeopathically. Now, I found this website that's looking into this thing, and it does, it's called Haya, <laughs> and they do look into it fairly closely, and they actually give it a lot more print than it needs uh, to tell you that uh, what you've got there is water. Uh, it's they, they explain the dilution levels. Uh, if you don't know homeopathy, I've talked about it before on the show, but uh, it's, uh, you take... You take a gallon of water, you know, and whatever is one part of that gallon of water, whatever is one part of a gallon, you take that out of the gallon, and you drop that into another gallon of water, and and you shake it up. Now, what you but what you, you put a drop of something? Well, you you put the the active ingredient into the first gallon of water. So that it's one part per gallon, uh, per, per hundred or something in the gallon. Or something. It's just, and you just, you keep diluting it, over and over. to keep doing it. Uh, lots of times they go up to you do that thirty times, a hundred times, two hundred times. And by the time you get to, well, according to this article, by the time you get to doing that twelve times. You're you're right at the edge of there even being a molecule, one molecule of the active ingredient in the solution that you've created. So essentially, it's just water. Uh, they talk about you know uh, the, the the C scale, the number of times shaking it up, at the, and the, the C scale represents a series of suc- succussive dilutions. Successive or, I'm sorry, successive, but succussing is how they they call it when you shake the water net. Okay, now let me start this sentence again. The C scale represents a series of successive dil- dilutions, with each stage being diluted by a factor of 100 in order to produce the minute doses needed for homeopathic formulas. Except there is nothing left in <laughs> For example, a treatment of a 2C solution means that the active ingredient has been diluted to one part in 100 twice. A 3C solution, 3 times, 6C solution, or dilution, um, 6 times, and so forth. In some cases, these homeopathic dilutions no longer contain any of the active ingredients. In some cases. (laughs) Even the ones that do contain some trace amounts, 12C is the smallest dilution that can still contain any original molecules. Um, these, these, some trace amounts, they have largely been shown in clinical studies to have no meaningful biological impact on the human body. This long article where these guys really dove into this nerve pain away, it's just, they take a long time to say, it's just water. These people are spraying water on their feet. Because it, it says it's a 12C dilution, according to according to the information uh, about this this nerve pain away, there might be a molecule left at that point. If you did it one more time, they said the 12 is the limit. If you do it one more time, then you chances are pretty nil that you've got anything there. And that's the thing about homeopathy: you just you dilute it and dilute it and dilute it until there's nothing left, because the Samuel Hahnemann in the in the 19th century before medicine was before medicine really started to be figured out figured out this way of treating people was it 19th century <laughs> i think it was the 19th century could have been this 18th century but whenever it was it was uh, prior to good medicine beginning and he came up with this idea that the law of similars that uh, if you can't sleep you should take caffeine, but take it at such a diluted amount, which is where he, somehow he came up with this. You dilute it all the way out so that there's no caffeine left in the, in the sleeping pills that you're going to take. Uh, it's, they do nothing. It's, it's, just, it's, it's weird. The caffeine has the opposite effect on you, so instead of waking you up, it makes you sleepy, especially when you dilute it to these amounts. But again, you're just ending up with water. So I would advise you not to buy any nerve pain away. Uh, I'll link to this site there. They're a lot nicer about it than I am. Uh, but it's, it's if it is properly homeopathic, it's it's just bullshit. and There's nothing in it. So don't waste your money. Um, okay. Uh, I've got a movie recommendation. I just watched it tonight. Or earlier today. I took, I took off... Early from work today. It's the Friday. It's Black Friday, and everybody's out shopping and barely get any calls at work. And I just took off early. And uh, I had this movie that's it's from 1957. It's called A Face in the Crowd, and it stars Andy Griffith. Yes, Andy Griffith from Mayberry, from the Andy Griffith Show. Andy Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Sheriff Andy Taylor. He plays a um, a drifter who likes to drink, doesn't like to work. Uh, he can sing, he can play guitar, and he, he has a plain speaking sort of way about him. And he gets discovered by Patricia O'Neill, who uh, she works at her uncle's radio station, this little radio station in, uh, in Arkansas. And she has this idea uh, that she calls a face in the crowd, where she goes to, out there to see the people and talk to the people. Uh, realizing that you know they have just as interesting a stories as any cele- celebrity will have, and uh, so she f- she encounters uh, this this character played by Andy Griffith. Uh, the movie is directed by Ilia Kazan, so good director. Now a- Andy Griffith plays a guy called Lonesome Rhodes. They gave him the nickname in that, and he plays along, and uh, he it's, it's it's a cautionary tale about power corrupting he begins to become powerful he gets the, he catches the nation's ear and gets to be the you know highest rated guy on television and all this kind of stuff because of his down home i'm just a country boy kind of thing and yet he's a bit of a monster and i you know I, i'm not sure if i like the movie or not i think it was really well done and it was acted well and it was it was thought provoking and all that But I didn't particularly care for the character right from the beginning. I didn't care for his character. He—he. I will warn you. uh, Andy Griffith yells about half of his dialogue, and it's just loud talk, loud singing, loud voice, loud, loud, loud. And I just something something about my Minnesota nature, maybe. But it is a good cautionary tale about how power corrupts. It's, it's, It's 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 interesting. You know, when you you get a different Andy Griffith. Then what you get, you know, uh, Lonesome Roads is different than Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor was a calm, quiet, laid-back kind of country guy. This guy's a little more hyper and a lot louder. But uh, it is an interesting film, so check it out. Uh, A Face in the Crowd. You can get it on the DVD through the Netflix or uh, find it somewhere. I do have three cool things before I wrap up. Uh, Number three, speaking of A Face in the Crowd... When the movie was starting, I'm reading through the credits as it's opening, and the assistant cameraman, his name is James Fitzsimmons, with one M in Fitzsimmons. There's three in the James part. No, no, just the one in James. And I was like, hey, hey, everybody, look at this. You know, I'll call Hayden down, call Amy over, and Amy sat and watched the movie with me. Look at that. And on top of that, as the movie gets to its... It, it to its big final moment, you know, the big moment, uh, well, you know, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, the, everybody has a comeuppance, don't you think? Don't you think he'd get, well, there's a moment, and it's at the end of one of his programs, and he, you, the, the music comes up, and you can still see him there, and he's talking to his boys that are around him on the, on, on the show, but we can't hear what he's saying, and the credits are going, and I can't remember what the the part that the guy did, but uh, the, you know, as the credits show up, the words for the credits show up. There's an announcer that reads it to the audience. So set design, I think it was set design by James Fitzsimmons. Again, now my name is said in the movie. But we think Amy was pretty sure that the the second time around there was two M's in the uh, last name when we saw it on the screen. But still, it's pretty cool. Number two is it was Thanksgiving. I uh, hope everybody had a good one. We had a good one. Uh we got together with uh with uh Amy's family and it's it's not you know what's left of Amy's family. And so the point was made that it's been a pretty rough year and uh we've we've lost some we've lost a couple loved ones and uh yeah it's we were glad to get together so we could kind of talk about things again and about how things went you know uh, my my wife and her brother you know they lost their dad and and uh, my brother's uh, wife's sister lost her husband this year so it was it was you know there were there were sad moments but we were glad to be together so that you know you know we're we're still alive we're still here we still love each other and we're still family and number one it was Amy's birthday (laughs) she had a birthday so happy birthday honey bunny uh you know she's uh, I I joked that she's uh, 25 years old. That means you know we've been married 16 years. She was 9 when I married her. She was 7 when I met her. Ooh, that's gross. Good
0: night, our doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher.
1: Roy Moore might think that's pretty exciting, but I'm not that kind of guy. Uh I'm sorry. Uh you've been listening to Dimland Radio. How about that? And uh it's uh, uh yeah, it's over now. So <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Be uh, skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You have been listening to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off.
0: has been a production of the Z-Talk radio network and now a message to our competitors thanks Thanks for tuning us in in.
1: well Well, I'm going going to to hell